about two years ago is when it you started hearing about it more. And these are purpose built um, for rent communities, right? Mm-hmm. It's, um, and it started with uh, there's there's big companies out there, America's Home for Rent, um, and then Blackstone owns a company as well that uh, they go and buy individual homes and then they rent them out. Well, um, two years ago, uh, you really started to hear it come forward where these communities were being built. And so what we saw on the market, well, there weren't very many, but the ones we saw on the market, we saw the traditional 40 and 50 foot wide lots for rent, um, which which feels like a, um, a normal home. And then we also saw a few of uh, what's known as horizontal apartments. Mm-hmm. Basically, think of it as a disruptor to the apartments uh, that, you, that you've always known. And so they're one, two, and three bedroom single family homes uh, that have your own private yard. Um, now that what you give up there is you've got a detached garage or parking space like you would in a garden style apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we really focused on. And we focused on that for a few reasons. Um, a, the, the rental, the traditional homes for rent in a community, we kind of saw that being out on the, the secondary and tertiary markets of a, of a metroplex. And, you know, our, our core process as a business is to focus on urban infill, right? So going to find those few remaining tracts of land. And so we said, hey, on this horizontal apartment, let's do it and let's do it really, really well. Welcome to the Placemaking Podcast. Podcast. The show geared at helping real estate developers learn and understand important aspects of the development process while improving communities one at a time. Each week, we'll discuss major facets of the real estate development process with industry professionals. Now, here's your host, Matthew Lowe's. Hello and welcome to episode number 43 of the Placemaking Podcast. Another amazing episode of the show is coming your way and I'm excited to share this next conversation with all of you. TJ is a partner and president of ECM Development in Arlington, Texas. Born and raised in Arlington, TJ is a civil engineer who fell in love with land development. After getting his undergraduate degree in civil engineering from the University of Texas at Arlington, TJ worked for Graham and Associates Engineering where he designed over 3,000 residential lots and several multifamily developments. He then decided to pursue a career in land development with David Weekly Homes. There he gained experience and cultivated his passion developing over 1,100 lots, specializing in high-density urban infill. In early 2019, TJ created his own development company, ECM Development. The guiding philosophy for ECM Development is to design and construct high-quality communities that create value, provide homes for a diverse population, and exceed every expectation of project stakeholders. They aim to to achieve superior returns for their investors while mitigating the risk with a diversified portfolio of projects ranging from fee-simple lot development to single-family rental communities. Every day, they strive to live out their mission, creating value to restore hope by knowing him and making him known. Now in this episode, we're going to discuss the lessons TJ learned in transitioning from an engineer to founder of a real estate development firm let me guarantee you there is no classes for that. So this was a great 
That was a great discussion. The role of single family for rent developments in commercial real estate and the ways that ECM diversifies itself from the competition and the other asset types as a whole. There is loads of great information in this episode and I greatly appreciate TJ for taking the time out of his extremely busy schedule to discuss this topic of single family rental real estate development with me. Now, as always, if you have enjoyed the show, I'd ask that you please subscribe to the show and share with your friends in the industry. There will be more exciting conversations on the shows to come. I guarantee you that. So without further ado, let's start the show. Hey, welcome to the show, TJ. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. I'm glad to have you on here. I, I think your background is pretty interesting, and I wanted to highlight some of that on the show today. So I gave you a little intro before uh, we we jumped on the call here, but in your own words, can you give us a little bit more about your background in real estate, and then we'll transition that into where you're at now at ECM? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I started my engineer as a, uh, or I started my career as, an, as a civil engineer, <clears throat> and I, um, coming out of college, uh, you know, one of the firms I interviewed with and how they... Uh, how they attracted me. I'm a big sports fan. And so they're like, Hey, we have Dallas Cowboys stadium in Arlington and we, you know, we want you to work on it. I'm like, well, yeah, that's, <laughs> I'm in. Um, <clears throat> so that's what really started it. And then, uh, uh, at the, in the meantime, there was a new master plan development, um, coming in in Arlington called Viridian, um, which is a world-class, um, single family development. And, um, I was also the project manager of that, um, really right out of school. And so those were my two projects and I spent a bunch of time on those <clears throat> and the Cowboys project was cool, but uh, you know, it, it ended pretty quickly. And uh, but it, cause obviously they opened and started um, having games, but the, the residential development went on Viridian and <clears throat> um, you know, spent a bunch of time on that and really fell in love uh, with the development side um, the, it was engineering's a lot of work, Matt, you know that. <laughs> right. So while I only practiced for eight years, if you add up the hours, I have 20 years of experience <laughs> in engineering. Well, um, those are two monster projects to start out with. For sure. Yeah, yeah, they were great and, and learned a bunch. So while I worked a lot, learned a bunch. And then, um, and then ultimately, uh, you know, my wife uh, got pregnant with twins and I knew that I needed uh, I, I was obviously in love with development. I also wanted to um, uh, go work for a um, company with a great culture, right, for for family. And so I, uh, I really just went on to fortune.com and where's the best places to work? And, and I was open to anything, Google, Facebook. Well, about, um, I think, 12th on the list that year was David Weekly Homes. And that's what really oh. attracted me uh, to them. And then sure enough, they had their land development um, director position open and it read like my resume and, I <laughs> and it was great. And then, um, you know, weekly they taught me how to, uh, they do a great job of teaching you how to run a business the right way. And so, you know, I got to learn that process there. And, uh, and then of course did all of their development here locally. And we, so I've, I had the Viridian background of how to do traditional land development and, and uh, was introduced to um, two gentlemen there, uh, Bob Kimball and Howard Porteous, who are the developers of Viridian. 
and kind of became my mentors in the business. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah. And so uh, went to go work for weekly and then they, they taught me how to run a business and I, I got introduced to new housing products, high density, what they call central living, which is um, basically detached townhomes is really the way to think about it mm-hmm. and really focused on urban infill development. So I fell in love with that. So I had the master plan, the urban infill and these multiple housing types and people would come into this central living housing uh, for weekly and say, man, I love this. This is so cool. It's hard for me to commit to this for 30 years. And so- sure. Um, well, that made me start to think about, man, there's a rental perspective here that we might be missing out on. Mm-hmm. All those things came together. And then I went back to go visit with my mentors, uh, Bob and Howard. And I said, Hey guys, look, here's my business plan. Um, what do you think? Poke holes in it. And they're like, actually, we love it. We want to partner with you. And so that's what started ECM a little over two years ago. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes a little more sense now. Um, so you know, and we'll get to this here in a little bit, but uh, you mentioned single family residential, but you guys, a lot of what you're doing is more of that mix of the the developed for rental uh, properties. That's kind of a, a newer thing that's kind of come out or seems like uh, fairly recently. Um, I, yeah. I'd be curious more on that that uh and we'll we'll dig in that here in a little bit but um what what really piqued your interest in real estate i guess more so what got you into civil engineering with that mindset of uh, more of the site development how how did that look were you always curious about that or when you were in college you kind of Actually, what started as, um, you know, as all 18 year olds, I knew exactly what I wanted to do when I went into college, which was become an electrical engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really didn't have a good reason for why I wanted to do that. And my first class and uh, the first one of the first classes you take in electrical engineering is circuits. Mm-hmm. And so I'm in circuits and took our first test and I took a tw- and I made a 23 on it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was the second highest score in the class. There you go. This is not for me. And so then I started uh, really just going to figure out what other engineering um, classes were maybe a little easier. And that's what directed me to civil and um, and really fell in love with with just land development, because ultimately those are the things you get to see come to life. Mm -hmm. Right. And when you go into the land development world, it's it's the you know, you create the vision all the way to life and then really focusing and creating on those true communities as an engineer. It's I need to put the pipe in the ground and the pavement on the ground and, you know, the landscaping. Um, but, but really the start to finish of a project is what made me fall in love with development. Bob and Howard were very influential with that, just the vision they had for Viridian and getting to see that go through. And then weekly uh, teaching me community after community, how to ultimately the, the end user, the homeowners, the fine, you know, the homeowners, what are, you know, why are we making this a special place for them to live? And so we spend a lot of time at ECM really focusing on, um, you know, creating a true community with, with long lasting residents where you're, you know, you really don't want to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was probably all of those things, you know, tied up that really uh, made me fall in love with the development world and, and specifically what got me started on civil engineering. Well, what got me started on civil engineering is that it was a terrible electrical engineer. 
Well, I appreciate the move. It's ultimately come out to something pretty amazing. So it it was a good decision, I think. Yeah. Uh, So was there an actual defining moment when you thought, you know, deep down, this is really, this is really your calling for uh, residential real estate? Yeah. You know, probably a whole bunch of defining moments in there. Uh, But, you know, the time that I probably just knew this was it was, was uh, really a few phases into Viridian, just all of the work and effort and blood, sweat and tears you put in as an engineer. And then you see, you know, you, you see the cells really start to take off, like the, the number of home cells in Viridian. You're like, man, just here from day one when it was nothing but dirt. And, you know, we, we moved in Viridian, we moved 3 million yards of dirt and created seven Jeez. different lakes. And so just starting from that to actually, now the lakes are all completed. There's a sailing center, you know, in the community, and I, and I live in Viridian too. So I mean, yeah. I'm all in on it. But uh, you know, just just getting to see that thousands of acres of raw dirt turn into you know where people are raising their families. You know, and we yeah. got a here on site and an elementary school on site now, and it's just um, so starting from that to where it is now, just seeing the progression of that is what really made me want to go do this. Yeah. Forever. Yeah, that's awesome. So there's not really a class, a good class on, on starting your own development firm. <laughs> so was there anything that you wish you would have known? I know I've talked to several people and they say, oh, I wouldn't change a thing. You know, it's, it's kind of melded into what I needed it to be, at, uh, you know, through, through the learning. But uh, I mean, was there anything that, you know, starting out, you wish you would have known right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. A, a whole bunch actually. Yeah. <laughs> I would have known a whole bunch. Um, but to that point, you know, what, what the others have told you is, is, is true too, because you, you get to, it, you know, you get to define your company, right. And it's those lessons learned are what makes you better. Um, so if you've got a full written playbook, you don't, you might not get a chance to improve. Mm. I'm glad we, we've learned the lessons, but I, I would say, you know, the, this is more just running a business. The one thing that you don't really focus on a lot and in, in, um, in starting your business is the processes that you need to have in place are so, so important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's, you know, you don't, you don't spend a lot of time on those because you just want to get the land deals done or, or get the project approved and get the pipe in the ground. And that's great, but, but you also have to have those processes in place. Otherwise, you know, you you really can't grow and expand. Right. Um, So we've been, but I say all that to say the most important part of a company and what we, what is so important to us is the culture, right? So the culture and the people, and we spend a bunch of time on this, um, as a, as a company. And so our culture is, is hands down the most important. And we've, we have amazing people and we've attracted amazing talent to come join us. And they've really helped us build those processes. Right. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I would just say people first and then processes second. And if you get those two things down, you can really do any business you want to do, whether it's real estate development or, or, you know, selling coffee or whatever it is. Yeah. That's awesome. How did, I guess that you you said building the culture, what did that look like for you guys initially? Yeah. So we, 
we basically had set this out day one. This was the most important thing with, uh, you know, with ECM and ECM are, are, are is our children's initials. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so we, um, my wife and I, Nikki, um, we really outlined what we wanted that culture to be like. And so look, we're, I say it, the easiest way to say it is we're family. Um, right now, our mission statement is, um, is something else that we, we truly uh, try to incorporate into everything we do, every vendor we, we deal with, every community we build, and, and that's creating value to restore hope by knowing him and making him known. Um, and then, uh, you know, our core values kind of align with that. Um, you know, my, one of my partners, uh, Howard Porteous, um, our, our top core value is uh, integrity. And, you know, he says it, do the right thing all the time, all the time, do the right thing. Um, and so we, you know, we, we, we work on that and that's not hard. That's not easy to do in land development. It's really easy sure. to take shortcuts and then, you know, try to just get through the project, but, but doing the right thing really is what's um, you know, what's really important and what we want our group to, to focus on. And they all do. And, and so, yeah, I mean, that's, we just, we made that priority one, the culture and uh and it's and it's showing right now and, and we're and we're able to grow because of that and our team is just amazing um you know our interview process is really tough we yeah. we want you to be here as bad as we want you on our team you know we it's got to be a two-way street and so you know we have a basically are four interviews to, okay. get it, to be part of our company and and uh you know we look for cultural and then, and then of course what the talent um but uh, yeah, so we spend a lot of time on that, making sure we're hiring the right people. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I assume you know you're you're also a tight knit group like uh, most real estate development firms. So you know, it's you don't hire often and you don't fire often unless you know something happens. But it's a small group, so you want to make sure you're hiring somebody that's going to be around for the long haul and. Uh, that's yeah. that's a good point. Yeah. So, you know, going through this this process, what was the biggest learning curve to get yourself from the mindset of, you know, I got to get these pipes in the ground from the civil engineer, uh, from your classes and everything into real estate development? Uh, you know, what was the biggest mind uh, mindset shift maybe that you uh, realized or recognized maybe after the fact. Yeah. So I think what you're saying is, is, you know, what was the biggest transition from going just being an engineer to all of development? Well, engineering is about 10% of land development. Um, you know, it's a lot of people would think they'd go hand in hand and they do. And it's, it's an important part, but you know what? The landscape architecture is really, really important. The entry monuments, you know, that you bring, what what sort of community gathering spots, right? Right now, how important are the outdoor smaller community gathering spots? You know, um, that's just as important as going to find the debt for the project, which obviously I knew nothing about, uh, you know, <laughs> from, from the engineer. And then the equity side, and then how do you all the legal stuff, right? So there's title work and there's, um, you know, builder contracts and, and JVs, um, you know, just all of those things you had no idea about really. So what would, what would prep you best to be an engineer would be to go uh, to entrepreneurial school, go get your master's in real estate, be a civil engineer um, 
and a landscape architect. I mean, you could go to school for 30 years before you're able to really get a full grasp on it. And then actually going to do the work, you learn a whole bunch more. So yeah. I say that to say you think engineering is a good, a good chunk of it, but it's really only about 10% of the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 you know, from once you get it designed, then you got to get it constructed. So it's having the relationships with the contractors um, or, or any of the vendors is, and then having the Rolodex to know who to call to sell your lots to, or, or to, um, you know, what equity partners are best fit. So there's just a whole bunch more to it than engineering, which I wasn't ready for. (laughs) Would you say it it helped to prepare you a little bit or would you say, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it, it sure does help on that side of it, which, um, you know, getting it to ultimately getting a piece of paper where you can go start to do the work, right. Getting your, your grading permits is really, really an important part of it. And so it, it does help to understand, um, you know, that to understand the stuff that really drives the cost in a project. But, you know, what I challenge our group and our engineers that we hire to do is to think outside of the box as an engineer, it's very simple to think and to think just the way it's always been done, but, you know, mm-hmm like on our single family rental stuff, um, you know, we, and really our lot development stuff, we elevate our lots. And so we do that so we can create some elevated front porches and we do that mm-hmm. through, and it's not the simplest way. It actually adds some challenges from an engineering standpoint, but the, the long, uh, the, the long life that it gives your community and just something different in the feel, um, yeah. the passing when you drive yeah. through your communities, you know, that's the, that's the stuff that you just can't quite put your finger on. You're like, but this community feels different. Feels different, right? Yeah. 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 So, uh, so it helps in those aspects when I can sit down with our engineers we've hired and say, hey, guys, here's what we're doing. Yeah. Well, we haven't done it that way. Well, we'll now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we'll get into that in a minute because I, I am interested on, you know, how, how you guys utilize different concepts uh, to, to make your stuff stand out. Um, like I said, we'll, we'll jump in that in a second, but has there been kind of a a biggest lessons learned or, or tip from one of your mentors that has really stuck out to you, um, over these years that you've been, I know ECM is fairly new, but you know, you've been working in real estate for a while. So, um, yeah, for sure. This is there without a doubt. And and we say it regularly and, and, Bob Kimball, one of my partners is who taught me this lesson, no matter what it is, if it's real estate development, if you're dealing with the legal side, if you're, if you're dealing with the cities, um, the, the equity, it doesn't matter. It's about the who, not the what. And so we really focus on the who and the relationships that we get to build in doing this. I mean, um, you know, if, if you get, if you're working with the right people and you've got the right people on, you know, on your team, um, it, you really enjoy what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and it's, it just really makes it fun. And I mean, I'm thrilled to get up every day to get to do this. I can't, sometimes I can't sleep. I'm so excited. Um, but it, it, but we do focus and we spend a lot of time making sure we have the right vendors, the right partners, the people that, that we would want to be on our team. We just, you know, they're too big and, and, and they have, they don't, you know, they've got other clients, but we, we focus a lot of time picking the who internally and externally and focusing on that. Oh, that's a great point. I mean, everybody, 
you know, pretty much everyone I talk to is uh, obviously mentions that real estate is a people business. I mean, that's what it's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're just saying being selective with the people that yeah. you work with and have on your team and and uh, are part of your projects. And that's that's a great point. <laughs> yeah. Well, as developers, like there's a lot of a lot of groups that think developer is a four-letter word, you know, and, and we don't want it to be that way, right? We want mm-hmm. to be community partners and, and you know, uh, and, and help improve any community that we're going into because we're, we're stakeholders in there now, right? And we want to make sure that that we are um, long-lasting for the cities, for the, um, for the engineers, that they love working with us, for our lawyers, and then ultimately for the homeowners, that they're proud to live in the community we developed. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, what does your ideal project look like? We mentioned it briefly in passing throughout this discussion, but what is your, what is ECM's uh, ideal project? Yeah, so um, this question, I've, I've struggled with this question. <laughs> um, and, and probably the, we, we want to create a community that is um, intentional, communal, personal, um, and, and then long lasting, right? And mm-hmm. so whether that's our lot development, um, whether which, which ultimately turns into a community of homeowners, whether that's one of our single family rental communities that, um, you know, will we'll transition over time to different residents throughout the process, um, or, uh, and then a new, um, process and project we're working on is what we what we coin elevate um, which is our uh, we use the word attainable housing um, you know for the workforce um, mm-hmm. group basically our essential workers right that have during covid they've really become very very uh, top of mind for us right and absolutely and for that that income demographic there's not just like the 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 best quality places to live and so we want to go create that exact same quality using different financing mechanisms and partnering with cities in order to go deliver true quality housing for the people that as we've learned we can't function without mm-hmm. um, you know during a pandemic or, or really ever but we it's highlighted it's just highlighted yeah definitely yeah, yeah. okay uh and like we mentioned before the the single family rental is, is kind of, I wouldn't say a new concept, but it's, it's a fairly recent, um, maybe not phenomena, but it, it's definitely been growing more as of recent. Uh, the, the construction, completely new houses for rent. Um, yeah. and, and you mentioned things that set you guys apart you mentioned the the finished floor elevations are elevated in in several of your communities. Is, are there any other unique characteristics that that kind of sets you guys apart from others? Yeah. Um, so well, let's talk about single family rental too. I want to give you a little more background. Yeah, absolutely. In that, so um, there's about two years ago is when it you started hearing about it more, and these are purpose built. Um, for rent communities, right? And, mm-hmm. um, and it started with, uh, there's there's big companies out there, America's Home for Rent, um, and then Blackstone owns a company as well, that uh, they go and buy individual homes and then they rent them out. Well, 
um, two years ago, uh, you really started to hear it come forward where these communities were being built. And so what we saw on the market, well, there weren't very many, but the ones we saw on the market, we saw the traditional 40 and 50 foot wide lots for rent, um, which which feels like a, um, a normal home. And then we also saw a few of uh, what's known as horizontal apartments. Mm-hmm. Which is basically, think of it as a disruptor to the apartments uh, that, you, that you've always known. And so they're one, two, and three bedroom single family homes uh, that have your own private yard. Um, now that what you give up there is you've got a detached garage or parking space like you would in a garden style apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we really focused on. And we focused on that for a few reasons. Um, a, the, the rental, the traditional homes for rent in a community, we kind of saw that being out on the, the secondary and tertiary markets of a, of a Metroplex. And, you know, our, our core process as a business is to focus on urban infill, right? So going to find those few remaining tracts of land. And so we said, hey, on this horizontal apartment, let's do it and let's do it really, really well. Mm -hmm. We went and spent a bunch of time developing the floor plans for these, really making these things livable. You know, the one bedrooms are only 633 square feet in ours, and then the two bedrooms are 950, and then the three bedrooms are about 1250. And then focusing on getting them a private yard and really focusing on the layout. We spent a bunch of time on the site plans for these to make sure that it doesn't feel like a, um, you know, a barracks type Mm -hmm. And so we we orient most of our homes on a muse, which is basically a park area, right? So you front on a park as opposed to a road. And that's, that's great, right? You don't have drive, you don't hear the traffic. um, And then your walk up to your home is really pretty and landscaped. um, And we spend a bunch of we spend a bunch of money on the landscaping, landscaping and fencing, we kind of knock out of the park, (laughs) layer that landscaping. um, And it costs a lot of appeal. (laughs) <laughs> to do that yeah and the curb yeah. appeal, right um and then the roof pitches you know we we it, when you build to this small quality how do you get that massing well you elevate the homes like we talked about um you put you know 8 12 and 10 12 roof pitches which is those really steep roofs and so the 633 square foot home feels bigger than that yeah uh, and then the, the benefit you get to an apartment is, um, I mean, look, I've never met anybody in my life, Matt, that says, I'd love to share a wall, floor, and ceiling with someone. Uh, <laughs> and so how do we do that? So we detach them, we give them their own home. You know, you, you've got your own home for rent. And then you've got the amenities of a multifamily, a pool, an exercise facility, mm. uh, and then or a gate, and it's in a gated community, just like an apartment would be. And so it is a true um, alternative to an apartment. Um, yeah. You know, Nikki and I, if this was an option when we were young marrieds, we would have done this in a heartbeat because we had sure. a dog and and I, I was the one that had to take the dog down two flights of stairs every morning at five in the morning, whether it was minus two or a hundred and two. And so if yeah. this was an option, I would have loved to have just opened up the back door and let the dog out. And so that's what really started it. And then the, the central living housing, which is the high density, truly urban core housing, um, that I, that I helped develop it weekly. Um, that was the other avenue we saw for rental. And so we have that and that's our echelon product. Mm-hmm. And those are, uh, you know, those are for downtown professionals. Uh, you want to live really close to where you work. Uh, if you work in an urban, urban core and those are, those are bigger though. Those live like normal homes. They're just three foot apart from each other. Okay. So detached townhome. Almost feel like a brownstone basically. A, a detached brownstone. That's yep. a good, 
think of it. And you have your own garage and the garages are part of the homes here. And these are two to three story homes. Um, and, and you've also got amenities, not to the same level. And then lastly, all of this is maintenance free. So that was the one thing we also started to notice from, from the, the millennials really coming in and the empty nesters is, you know, I like owning a home, but I really hate having to mow my yard. <laughs> You know, if I could outsource changing a light bulb, Matt, I'd probably do it right now. Sure. <laughs> We've got three kids running around. And so, um, you know, we take care of that in our communities. We do it. You don't do anything. You know, it is true well, maintenance free. That probably makes it a little easier when you have these communities like this to to be able to do this because it, it's similar to, like you said, a multifamily in that everyone is in that area. Um, you know, you can have somebody on staff in that area and be able to manage the property much easier than if you had, you know, like the, the, the Blackstone group with, you know, uh, rentals all over the place. It's hard to manage that, but uh, I point. assume is, right. is somebody on staff there. Okay. We do. We, do. we have somebody on, uh, you know, maintenance and leasing uh, agents on, on staff on site, depending on the size of them. And if they're smaller communities, because ours are truly at urban core. So if we only have mm-hmm. six homes, you know, we might not have anybody on site, but we have them on staff at another neighboring community. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, you pick up the phone just like you would in a multifamily and say, Hey, my light bulb's out and we'll have somebody there the next day. That's awesome. <laughs> so just curious more on the dynamics, uh, it's all one lot, correct? Or is it split up? How does that, or does that vary? <laughs> varies, yeah. So all the, one over, yeah. The horizontal apartment is one lot, like you mm-hmm. would a multifamily development. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's a one owner. Um, and then our uh, our echelon product, which is that detached brownstone, uh, brownstone that is actually platted fee simple. And so you could sell them down the road individually um, if, if that was one of your exit strategies mm-hmm. um, or you could sell them as a group. Uh, so that's the, that's the attraction to that style of, of rental from gotcha. the investor standpoint is you have two exit strategies. Yeah. That's right. But on the horizontal apartment, there's really only one exit strategy. I guess you could condo them, um, but that's not a normal exit yeah. strategy. I was going to ask a exit strategy for those uh, horizontal units, but you addressed it. You beat me to it. (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, so what, uh, what is a a common roadblock and this kind of a transition back into you getting into development, but what, what do you see that uh, as a common roadblock to getting into development or starting your own development or um, I, I, you know, you had some amazing mentors that really helped you out. Do you think uh, having those mentors could be, or not having those mentors could be a roadblock to, to starting your own? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of roadblocks to getting <laughs> development. Um, so, you know, I would say in any business venture you go into having a mentor that's been down the path to help guide you sure does go a long way. So I'd go find that first. Mm-hmm. Uh, well before you decide to pull the trigger to go do it and then just understand as you would any business right understand what you're going to get into and the pros and the cons and the difficulties of, of doing that um, secondly uh, you know I tell our team this a lot and, and, and when we hire our people you know we um, 
Right? It's about the who, not the what. So we hire the right person and then we'll train them how to do development. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of our a lot of our team members have never touched real estate development ever, ever, ever. But they're amazing project managers, you know, or they're amazing um uh, like my wife, for example, um, you know, she worked in the, in the city sector, in the municipal side of things, right? She okay. was city manager ultimately. Um, and I, I don't, I guess the way I convinced her to marry me, I convinced her to come do this with me. And so she does all of our entitlement for us, which is really yeah. odd, you know, to get these things entitled through the, through the city councils and through right. the, uh, right. planning and zoning. And she's amazing at it. And the only thing she knew about real estate development is whatever she probably heard me talk about for three or four or five years. Um, but what I tell our team is, is that land is slow. It's really slow. It takes a long time from, Hey, I've identified this piece of land until the time you actually either have a homeowner on it or a rent, you know, somebody yeah. moving in to be a resident from a rental perspective. And so, you know, the roadblock is, is it takes a lot of patience. It takes, and, and it, takes a lot of money to put at risk because you mm-hmm. might not know if you have a project until you get through that entitlement process. And then right. if you do that, do I have somebody to buy my lots at the end? Right. And that's, that's a risk. Um, Market and then, risks. Yeah. yeah. And then, Hey, do, can I lease them up? And then, Oh, I've got to go convince a bank that's never met me. Can you lend me some money, please. So I can go do this. <laughs> can I Just, have some money? Yep. Yeah, it just, it takes a long, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that that you've got to go get right. And your first one, I tell this to our team too, your first deal, you're paying for your education, whatever it is. And so you're not going to get your best deal. And so it's your second, your third, and your fourth when you really start to see the the better returns and the better splits with your equity and the better, you know, just all of you, you improve every single time. Right. And so really just knowing it's going to take a long time, Um and then ultimately going to build those relationships with all the different stakeholders in a project. And, and I'd say focus on those two things and then, you know, you'll, you'll get there. And if it's something you really want, it, it, it will happen. And I would also say um, we have a quarterly book um, reading that we do as a company. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we, we uh, recently read um, Steve Schwartzman's book, Blackstone. And it's a great book. And one of the lessons he talks about is, is the harder something is, the less competition you have. Yeah, absolutely. And he's right. Um, and so look, land development is not easy. <laughs> Nothing easy about any of this. And so you got to be really passionate about it in yeah. order to be successful. Um, and that's probably with any new startup business. You got to be really passionate about what you're doing and, and love, like be excited to get up every day or not sleep at night because you're so excited uh, because it takes all of that energy and effort to, to, you know, pour into it, to get it to where you start to see the wheels move and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is how it should be going. And what I was hoping for two or three years ago. Right. No, I love that. I love that too. You mentioned uh, you, a lot of times you have to pay. Well, pretty much every time you have to pay for your, your first deal. I think that's so common. You want to see that return on that, maybe that first project, but a lot of times you're not getting that return. And and a lot of your time is for free for a little while until, until, like you said, the wheels start moving. Yeah. No, those were all great points. And talking about paying for your first go, (laughs) has there been, uh, a big 
issue that you've had with the project or, or, or past trans transgressions that you probably paid for and now I've learned quite a bit. I love, I love hearing this just because, you know, somebody else is probably either about to step on that, that yeah. landmine or, you know, or yeah. uh, could definitely learn from it. So. Yeah, there's too many to list here. I'll <laughs> give you a few of them. Um, I will say this. I think we've only made this. I don't think we've ever made a mistake more than once. So we definitely learn from it as a group each time it happens. Um, and, you know, I was pretty fortunate to get to be on the engineering side early. So I made a bunch of mistakes as an engineer. Right. So I drive through Viridian now. I'm like, why did I do that? <laughs> But you're probably one of the few that actually noticed a lot of those things. And then sure. that's for sure the case. So, yeah. you know, an example there would be um, in, in our intersections in Viridian, we have roundabouts. Mm -hmm. So not just stop signs, so true roundabouts. Well, when, you, when you're a design engineer, your sanitary sewer, when you come to an intersection, you put a manhole at all the intersections for your sanitary sewer to send sewer each, each way. Well, when you do that and you want to raise these roundabouts because you don't want people just driving over them, you know, you spend a lot of money going back after the fact to raise those <laughs> um, a lot of money. And yeah. so um, luckily someone else paid for that. And I was just the engineer that, that made the mistake. And so that was, it was that, some of that's that kind of stuff. Um, and then, you know, when I was developing for, for weekly, I, I learned a lot and made some mistakes in there for sure. And that was yeah. on someone else's dollar and that was, you know, painful, but uh, there's some good lessons learned there. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we had a project, uh, one of our first projects here where we, um, we removed some trees we weren't supposed to remove. Uh -oh. We just, we did, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We did everything right in the book by the book. And we, um, we just forgot to put in basically this 50 foot section of orange fence Mm. And that slowed down our project a long time. Yeah. Financially, it ended up not being too big of a hit, but but just from a time perspective, it almost put us on pause for about six months. Wow. So that was, um, you know, that was a real big lesson learned. And so we learned it early and we <laughs> now have new processes in place on how to protect our trees and how many different eyes have to check off on us uh, putting a shovel in the ground to make sure that the trees that are supposed to be protected stay protected. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, those are some of our, some of our lessons learned and, um, but you know what, it makes us better for it. And we know that, and like I said, we, hopefully we only make them one time. Yeah. Well, like you said, if you, if you build those processes up while you're doing this, you can, you can plug and play. Um, Ray Dalio's book, he's, he's got a bunch about, you know, creating those processes and it's something that is not fun to do. It's not fun to create those processes, but when you have them in place, it sure helps out, right? You know, to that point, you're you're right. I want to touch on that. So one of our project managers, uh, Paula, she's she's amazing. And so she actually worked for a project management consultant firm before coming to work for us. And what she did was make process workflows yeah. uh, for the bigger corporations. And so we sat down around the table and built these for all of our different development types of when do you, who, who touches what and when do they touch it? And when does this notify the next person that it's their, their turn to grab the project? And those were painful hours to oh, see. Oh, yeah. I would have. <laughs> step by step. But I don't know of another development firm that has these in place now. I mean, they're amazing. Right. It's, there's no question about whose ball, uh, whose court the ball's in. Yeah. Right? We defined all those. Um, 
And so as painful as, as it was, it is incredible. It's invaluable to us right now as a company. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say, and, and then when we make these kind of mistakes, it lets us add to the process flow. They're not right. perfect. Nothing's perfect. Um, if you if somebody's perfected land development, well, I would tell you, you need to go hire them Yeah, uh, or run away because they're lying to you. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it takes a special kind of person to, to, to really sit down and create those processes. So it really does. That's, that's invaluable for you guys. Yeah. So looking forward, if I were if I were to Wikipedia, UTJ or or uh, ECM development, because Wikipedia is going to be the encyclopedia and already yeah. is for the most part. Uh, you know. 200 years, 300 years in the future, coming back, what, what would it say that your, what was your legacy when, uh, when you guys were around building, building your products? Yeah, I would say, you know, I sure hope going back to our mission statement, right. That we've, we've, we've lived up to that first and foremost, right. And we've, we've, you know, created value and, and made him known, um, Secondly, I would hope that you know all of our communities are are, are still up and, and have great uh, homeowners and residents in them in 200 years, um, and, and ultimately, you know that we we were communal and intentional and personal in in developing those communities, um, and then you know lastly that we were you know our, our culture. As a, as a, if you're just looking at the company itself, is that our culture is what was talked about of, um, you know, it's about the who, not the what, um, you know, we're being a family. Um, because look, you spend more time with your coworkers than you do with your family. And so you want to love those people um, and, and them to feel appreciated and, and, and valued for their work because that's, that's the other thing we talk about. <laughs> Whether you're a project manager and our we have we have a we have a pre-development project manager and that's that person basically takes it from the time it's entitled all the way up until we put a shovel in the ground and they handle land closing, um, you know, civil engineering, landscape architecture. That's a tough job for us. There's a lot of yeah. moving parts in there. Definitely. Then we have a development manager who's responsible for the construction side of it. Um, we have a, we have uh, basically the best land guy in the business, Wes, who, who finds and, and gets all of our land under contract and, and underwrites for us. Um, and, and then, you know, our marketing group, if we don't market these right, then it doesn't matter. No one's going to live there because they're not going to know about it. Every piece of the puzzle is just as important. The person that takes out the trash um, you know, which I, I still do that to this day, take the trash out to know that if we're not taking out the trash, we're not going to be successful. So every bit of our um, company is just as important as anything else and, and any other position. And everyone should be just as valued as, as anyone else that's with ECM. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, that is not an easy question to answer. So I appreciate the <laughs> candid candid response well kind of wrapping up here you give uh give us a little idea of where we can find out more about ecm maybe follow you guys on your way to to creating this legacy uh yeah. where yeah. where can they find out more sure uh probably start our website uh which is ecmdev.com ecmdev.com um and 
you can see what communities we have coming up and um, you know who our partners are who, who's part of our team um, and what we've developed in the past and what we're currently developing uh, we are also on LinkedIn uh, ECM development on LinkedIn so those would be the probably the first two I'd point you to okay. uh, those are ones we update regularly so uh, yeah that would be go there check us out um, see some if you see something that we need to improve on share your thoughts please we, <laughs> Uh, we know that it's easy to get stuck in a vacuum in development and we love an outsider's perspective. Awesome. Well, thank you again for all your time, TJ. I really enjoyed uh, the discussion and, and would love to keep track and see what you're doing in the next 50 to 200 years, right? <laughs> well, Matt, I, hopefully my grandkids or great grandkids will have that conversation with <laughs> grandkids or great grandkids. Um, all right. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks.